welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bouguet. Hey, Chris. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? It's going good. I'm on the East Coast right now. You are. You're in my time zone. I know. It's, it's exciting when we're on the same time zone because we're always like, I'm always doing math when I'm corresponding with you. I'm like, oh, what time? Three plus three minus three. <laughs> always, always. And it's like, and then I always get nervous that I've messed it up, you know, or I put it in the calendar a certain way. And so, yes, it's so much easier when the, you should just move here. You should just move yeah. to the East Coast. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. And honestly, you're you're talking about getting nervous. I always get nervous when I'm presenting in different time zones because I'm like, oh my gosh, what time zone are they in? Did they convert it in my time zone or is it their time zone? So it's like always very nerve wracking when I'm presenting in areas that are not in my time zone. It's so funny you say that because I have a presentation coming up in Iowa. You know, physically, I'm not going to be in Iowa. I'm going to be virtually presenting. But I was like, Wait a second. It says 12, but I think it really means 1 because it's an hour behind. They're in the central time zone. So, and I'm doing the math again and getting nervous that and they so then they go to the website and double check, but because the people that are attending are all going to be in that time zone, they don't say CT, you know? So then I got to write the presenter or the the people the organizer. I just want to confirm that it's and it's this whole thing with the time zone. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a whole great great presentation all on AAC and the, you know, necessary components of AAC consideration and implementation and I feel like we've got um me separately, you separately. We've got a bunch of presentations we've been got have going on recently. And we've got some stuff going on together too, right? We're going to be doing some stuff on coaching. Like, do you want to talk about our OTAP stuff? I sure do because I'm real pumped for that. So Chris and I have already built out an hour-long coaching course, so coaching communication partners and then adding the digital piece. So a lot of people are virtually coaching, um, which has been trying to figure that out. has been a little bit of uh, troubleshooting, trying to make sure we can maximize what we would do in person. Um, but we're actually building out a two hour course for coaching and we're going through a lot of video content. So I've been so lucky to have some of my clients um, open and willing to share some of our coaching sessions. Chris and I together have coached um, other clinicians. And so we're kind of going through the weeds in a lot of ways, trying to find really good clips to present during this course. And I'm really pumped because I feel like there's so many great moments. Um, I'm going to be sharing a moment where I'm not doing a great job, AAC communication partner wise, <laughs> um, which makes me feel a little bit nervous. But I also think it's a really great way to show that, hey, everybody, like I was here like five years ago too. Um, you know, but I've learned, I've grown, I've watched a lot of my therapy back, which is why I feel like I've learned and gro grown. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really, I'm really excited to present this with you, Chris, because I feel like it's a really good opportunity to teach people about coaching and get them interacting with our, with our course. And we have lots of activities and watching videos and jotting down notes and questions and things like that. So, um, I'm really excited because it's going to be quite interactive. Yeah. And so that's when I say OTAP, that's through Oregon, right? Yes. And I'm going to try and say it the right way. Oregon as opposed to Oregon, right? I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't live there. So <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to ask them during our, our course. <laughs> um, but we've had other presentations too uh, going on, right? What are, you've had some other ones too, right? I've had a lot actually. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I'm, what I'm really excited about is I'm building out a two hour course on virtual AAC assessment. So I've talked a lot about virtual AAC treatment and I did a 
webinar for Cough Drop, right when everything started hitting with COVID and um, shared a lot of resources and tools, talked a lot about coaching during that webinar. But now I'm building out a two-hour course dedicated to virtual AAC assessment, which I'm also really excited about. So I'm presenting this for an organization in North Carolina, and then I'm taking the recording of that and I'm gonna offer that on my website, actually. So for people who want to take that course, um, I'm gonna have it on my website, and I'm really excited because I have learned a ton about virtual AAC assessment, and I've actually been surprised by what I've learned as I've been going through the process with uh, clients uh, assessing them virtually. And I've definitely learned a lot. So I'm really excited to share the, the things that I've learned, the systems that I've set up to make things more efficient, because I think that's part of the problem is doing an AAC assessment virtually the hardest thing is that it takes more time. It takes more planning. It takes more communication with the communication partners, namely parents, um, setting up your sessions, watching you know parents sending recordings and watching those those videos and coaching them through things, and you know just getting a lot of information prior to actually sending out technology and figuring out what you want to trial. I talk a lot about uh, Joy Zabala and the set framework, um, figuring out ways that we can kind of automate that with Google forms. Um, I'm sharing a Google form in there where it's based on that framework. So just you can share that link with all of the people on the team, get the feedback. Um, so there's lots of things that I'm going to be sharing during that course that I'm really excited about because ultimately I think we need to get way more comfortable with assessment virtually. And I think also it's going to help us access kids who don't have you know, access to AAC specialists and clinicians. Um, you know, now I'm able to really assess anyone anywhere, um, which I definitely could not say last year. I could not say like, yes, I feel confident assessing someone for AAC virtually. Now I feel a lot more confident. So it's just like anything else. You kind of have to try things as you go. I learned what not to do in addition to what to do. Um, so it's been a, a really cool process and I'm really excited to share that course um, because I've spent a ton of time. I've recorded hours and hours of sessions that I've had um, with one, I did kind of like a case study with one family. And it's like, I've, I've recorded it, I've spent the time doing those sessions, and then I also spent the time watching them all back and figuring out what clips would be really good to show, um, to showcase kind of some of the strategies that I'm, I'm teaching, um, you know, the, the seating and positioning of the cameras and all those kind of details that you need in order to maximize your success with an assessment. So it's been, it's been quite the process, but I'm really excited and I'm presenting that actually next week. So I'm just like almost done putting everything together and I'm really pumped to actually present it live. I love the direction that you're headed there when you're talking about the set framework and making it a collaborative decision-making tool that you use and getting everyone on the same page. I mean, I feel like that's the evolution of moving from assessment to selection, do you know? And that having that conversation about um, let's collaboratively come up with what's the right uh, avenue for selecting the AAC as, as opposed to having one expert decide and then maybe even fighting with another expert who's decided on something else and then having someone else's opinion. And now you have three different opinions that you're all fighting to honor, you know, and, and defend your why you think you're right, as opposed to what's coming up with a collaborative decision together. And I feel like the set framework is a way to do that. So that's awesome. awesome. That sounds like a really exciting one to, to go to. And I also say uh, you were saying that uh, that was for North Carolina. 
right? You did one. And so I just recently presented for a different group in North Carolina. Um, again, it was a three-part series. Second part was really about these necessary components of AAC. But the first part, I took a little bit of a risk, Rachel. I did something that I have. I don't do that often when I talk about AAC. The very first uh, hour an hour, hour and a half session was all about um, designing educational experiences with inclusion in mind and making them awesome for everybody. And there was some feedback after that first session because it wasn't AAC specific, it was disability specific and how to design things just, you know, it's more the kind of the focus of the book and it ties in AAC, of course. And it moved, the way I described it is the it was a three-part series. And so the first session was the camera was pulled way back and looking at education as a whole. The second session was zooming in more on the specifics of AAC and what you needed to consider, um, and then drilling down very specific to implementation strategies and coaching. But uh, yeah, so it was a great experience. And um, you know, the feedback at first, like I said, from that, like I took a little bit of a risk. Most people loved it. Some people felt like, I thought I was going to learn more specifics about AAC. It was only the first session. And by the time, you know, the, the, the reviews from from a handful of skeptics to by the end going yeah that was great this is just what we needed you know and they really liked the enjoyed that that, that part and then i'm doing another presentation rachel for the last number of years um a group called aztec uh from arizona has asked me to come out and i kind of kick off this uh year-long series of events where they help to build uh, capacity of assistive technology uh, for different educational groups or different di different people that work around the state in school districts. And um, of course, this year it started virtual. And so there was a redesign of what that looks like. And so this is a multi-series uh, multi event where the first one was a kickoff event where it was live. And I talk about designing educational experiences that are awesome for everybody. And then it it's a series of pre-made videos. And then we did a Google Classroom where the videos are hosted, but then people leave their feedback on the videos in the Google Classroom. And so every couple of days, I mean, actually it's been every day, someone has been watching a video and then posting their thoughts on it. And then I give feedback in an asynchronous way, which I just feel like it's it's been so awesome. Like people watch it on their own time. They don't have to be here at a specific time. They give their feedback when they want to. They can construct their feedback in as much time as they want to or as little time, you know. Um, and then I can do the same whenever I get a free moment. You know, it pops, I get a notification on my email and I write asynchronously back to them. Um, and then they can write back and everyone sees this, this ongoing discussion board. And so then we'll have at the end, um, this is like a a five-part series that will have a kind of a culminating Q&A session at the end where people will tie together, you know, all their stuff they've learned about assistive technology. That's not AAC specific, more it's about designing um, a program for assistive technology and how would you uh, put something like that together in your neck of the woods. So it's been really awesome. Uh, so far. And actually, Rachel, sorry, I'm ranting here for a second, but this ties into the the uh, interview that we have today because um, uh, I was uh, one of the key keynote featured speakers for um, the um, Talking AAC conference out in Michigan. And again, all virtual with uh, Rachel Langley. She invited me to do that. And I was there. And you were there. Yeah, you came to that. 
And so at the end of that presentation, uh, someone wrote me afterwards, and that someone is exactly who we're interviewing today. So this is Jennifer and Cody Mendenhall. Uh, they wrote me after the fact, well, I guess Jennifer did, uh, who's the mom of Cody. Cody's mom. And they were like, Hey, Chris, what do you think about us being on the interview? I was like, of course, definitely. Come on. Come on. Really excited for this interview. Like I said, I was watching you during that talk, Chris, and I was super excited to be a part of the audience. Um, and I'm super excited for this interview. Um, it's a really great one. And I super excited, Chris, I was there at the, you're talking AAC conference and was in the audience participating in all of the awesome like activities that you had. And I was responding in the comments. Um, and I'm really excited for this interview today. We have on the podcast had AAC users. We've also had parents of AAC users, but I'm really excited for this because we have a parent and we have an AAC user at the same time. So I'm really pumped for everyone to hear this interview. So without further ado, let's listen to Jennifer and Cody Mendenhall. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love your support to keep it going. You can become a VIP listener by joining our Patreon community. Your contribution allows us to cover the costs of this podcast and pay our team for all of their hard work. You also can get some really awesome bonus content with behind the scenes videos, new tech related therapy ideas, and lots of other perks we reserve only for our Patreon. To join us, go to patreon.com backslash talking with tech. So welcome, Jennifer and Cody. Thank you for being here today. Um, so let me just give us the quick backstory real quick. And that is that uh, you attended the presentation I was doing and uh, talking AAC. And then you reached out afterwards and you're like, hey, this is us. And I was like, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And now here we are. We're recording. So thank you. And um, we did TED Talk. You did a TED Talk. And uh, we, we watched that. It was awesome. So, so I feel like I know you because I watched this, this TED Talk. But for those that haven't seen the TED Talk yet, let's, let, let's dive in. Who are you? Tell us about yourselves. Who are you? What do you do? Can I go first? First, I have to give a disclaimer that today is 80s day at online school. So Cody's pretending she's Laura Branigan because her favorite song is Gloria. Oh my gosh, I love it. Are you wearing leg warmers, Cody? <laughs> we couldn't scrounge up any leg warmers. We did make a big tinfoil belt to make it look like the one she wears in a video, so. I love okay. it. Hi, my name is Cody. I'm 14 and in eighth grade. Awesome to meet you, Cody. And I'm her mom, Jen. We, um, live here in Colorado. Cody was born in Alaska and she's been an AAC user, well, a high tech AAC user since she was five or six. And we started with low tech pick boards and things like that when she was, you know, really under a year old. So we've been working in this realm and learning lots and trying to figure things out for, for 14 years. Amazing. So, what I'm, I'm curious when the transition happened to more high tech. Well, we refer to this in our TED. Oh, you wanted to talk about the TED Talk too. Sorry, yeah. we uh, in the te in the TED Talk we refer to this. We came down to assistive technology partners in Denver, which is a part of, of CU Boulder, because we had a connection down here, and we knew we were going to be moving from Alaska to Colorado. 
And that was the first time we really got involved with the higher tech because she was doing really well and we knew she had a lot more to say. Mm -hmm. The TED Talk itself was a truly unbelievable experience. I had always wanted to do one and I wanted her to showcase her abilities with her communication device. So we auditioned and we actually made it in. The TED Talk itself was in a, in a local theater here. We had probably 800 people maybe that were there. It was just stunning and she did so good. She was not shy, she was not scared at all. I thought I was gonna have to run off the stage. <laughs> no, it, was, it, was really, it was really good. And we've just always been trying to encourage other people to learn about AAC and figure the TED Talk was a good venue to do that. And it was actually selected from our TEDx talk here in Grand Junction to be put on TED.com. Mm -hmm. So that was, a, that was a really exciting thing. And I hope it reaches a lot more people. Well, we're definitely going to link to it. So it's going to reach thousands of our listeners, which I'm really <laughs> excited about. Um, and yeah, exactly. I feel like we need to showcase what like AAC looks like because a lot of people don't have access to, you know, seeing what it looks like. And so I feel like the more people who can see individuals use AAC to communicate um, successfully, the better. Now, in that TED Talk, you talk a little bit about the history and how you did start off with um, like a picture communication board and then the cheap talk. I mean, you saw, you showed a picture of that and I was like, oh my gosh, I, for years we used those. Yeah. Um, but then you sort of talk about, well, I don't remember if this was your exact words, but the way I heard it in my head was like the game changer was when Prolo Quo came out. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, um, how, what was it before? And then what, what did that change for all of you, for both of you? The Prolo Quo was easy for me to program. I think that is the game changer. Because when you're a mom of any child, <laughs> you have limited amount of time. With her other devices that are great names, great ideas, people behind the larger devices that were from 10 years ago, they, they held a great purpose. But I was not able to program them to make them work for her. Mm -hmm. So then, because her and I are pretty much together 24-7 and we have our own language, it was easier for us to communicate with our own language instead of her being independent. I could interpret for her. Okay. So then we got the iPod with Prolo Quo and I felt so much better, so much more in control and could make it customized for her. And I think you bring up such a great point. It's so important to think about the communication partner that's going to be doing all the heavy lifting. Like I just, I just was doing an assessment last week and I kept like kind of going back to, to mom saying like, what do you, which system did you feel comfortable with? And she's like, well, whatever system you think is best. I'm like, but the system that's best is the one that you feel confident programming, changing, using, modeling on. And so I feel like to your point, it's so important that you know, the communication partner that's working with the child the most feels really good about the system. It was really difficult. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. One thing that was really difficult about the Prolo Quo is that most of her SLPs had not been trained on it. Mm -hmm. So that was a bummer. But now things are catching up a little bit. 
Cody, can I ask you, I, I saw in that video that you were using a keyboard with Proloquo. So you were, what was your instruction like? Meaning, what did the teacher, did they work on spelling and you worked on and reading and you worked on the keyboard? Does that sound right to me or am I making that up? Yeah, you use a lot of different ways to help you spell and communicate. You use your keyboard, right? Yeah, she can, she totally takes care of her Proloquo now. I love that. So we've taught operational competence, which I think sometimes we forget as clinicians to teach students how to take care of their device, program their device, change the volume on their device, to you know play with the display settings if they're outside. Um, so that's awesome to hear that she's kind of like fully independent now. She loves to put it onto the mean guy voice and scare people. Wait, what does that oh sound like? Can you do I love it. I, I, you know what's so funny is that actually I have a, a kiddo who I work with. He loves the mean guy voice. That's that's his voice. He's like he's only mean guy. <laughs> you can figure it out. Go ahead. You know how to do it. What's the other one? There's a monster voice on Proloco too. That's really fun. <laughs> and she uses within her device. She uses the crescendo version of Proloco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now she's not going to find it because we're under the under the pressure now. Okay. Well, I have a question in the meantime. Okay. Um, what, like, how long has she been using Proloquo? Uh, since she was five or six. I can't, it was like 2011, okay. 2012, around in there. So and it was on this little tiny iPod. And then I think a year later, we got her first iPad. And then when she was in fourth grade, I think, because Cody's always been pretty tiny until recently. She's now bigger, <laughs> taller than me, but she did not want to have the mount on her wheelchair with the communication device in front of her because that just pushed everybody farther away from her. Mm. So what we tried to do was got an iPhone 7, so it was bigger, and we put it on like a lanyard thing, hoping that she would then use her communication device in class. In theory, it sounded good, didn't work as good as we thought, but luckily, <laughs> iPad mounts for wheelchairs have gotten slimmer and more user friendly. And so that has helped her wanting to use her iPad more when she goes out of the house. Can you talk through a little bit of the process of starting the high tech AAC? And I mean, you've been, you've been at it now for almost 10 years. So what, what did that look like as far as the transition? Like where did you start and kind of, I mean, now she's quite proficient. So um, I'm sure that a lot of parents listening and other clinicians are curious as to what the trajectory kind of looked like. As far as, like working through the Medicaid system or? No, well, we can talk about that too. I'm thinking more specifically about how, you know, the process in which you kind of went through, um, like, where did you start? Did you have a lot of the vocabulary masked? Have you changed the grid size? Like, what did that yeah. look like? Yes. So when Cody was younger, she was on a lot of seizure medications. Mm -hmm. So she, her whole, it, it affected her whole being, her ability to move, her direct access, everything. Mm -hmm. So we started pretty small with maybe eight tiles mm -hmm. on that and a pretty limited vocabulary mm -hmm. because we really didn't know what, what to do. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but now she uses, I want to say an 80, if not more, 
tabs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's doing really well with that. And we mm -hmm. just kept increasing and challenging her. Mm -hmm. And she did not want to use her talker for the few, for first few years. I mean, she loves technology and she loves gadgets. Mm -hmm. So that part of it was fun. Mm -hmm. Her SLP at school through her elementary school years was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And she would take maybe little tokens or some other kind of bribery <laughs> around to her teachers and say, okay, Cody has to come up to you and ask you a question using her communication device. And then you can give her whatever the token is. And that worked fairly well. And the, the, this, the whole staff was pretty cohesive. But mm -hmm. I think the critical thing was her maturity. Mm -hmm. When she finally realized mommy's not going to be able to talk to you if you want to talk to your friends then you need to do that independently and it's a whole different jargon than i talk mm -hmm. and also texting really 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 has helped her with her spelling her ability to interact which then increases her ability to use her talker if she can spell mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of how we've come to this point she when we first started with AAC in general, we just had a huge folder and we would have to try to flip through everything. And so then I would cut them out and Velcro them onto a board or something like that. And that helped because it helped us understand that it's okay that she's not talking with her voice, mm -hmm. but we still have to move forward so that we understand her world and mm -hmm so that she can, well, I, this, I was on another podcast earlier this week and the word flourish came up and I loved mm -hmm. that so that she could flourish. Uh-huh. Did she you find it, Cody? She read no, it in a mean guy voice. Oh, here it is. Switch to a different voice. You have to go to speech and language, more info, primary and I don't know. That's weird. Maybe it's not on there anymore. It's been a while since she's used it, so. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a fun one for sure. I, like I said, I have clients that use that exclusively yeah. <laughs> and mom's like, can we like try a different voice? And I'm like, listen, if he wants to talk using a mean guy voice, like let's just go with it. Cause exactly. at least he's talking. <laughs> one of her physical therapists is from the Netherlands and so they switched it to Dutch. And so mm -hmm. her, her, they could talk that way. And that was kind of funny. Hey, Cody, do you mind if we move away from AAC just for a second? Some other stuff that you showed us in the TED Talk is your adventurous side. We saw you skiing, we saw you rock climbing, we saw you um, doing ropes courses. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? You want to use what's your, your Yeah, what's your favorite thing that you do? You can say whatever you want. Dance parties. Ooh, dance, parties. dance parties. Dance parties with 80s music, Cody? <laughs> <laughs> what? I, uh, with Allie. Allie was her physical therapist at school last year and then she quit and help, was our helper all summer long and they made TikTok videos to, oh, it was just crazy. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> <laughs> our listeners can't see, but Chris was just dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we, our, the thing we do a lot right now is we have our tandem recumbent e-bike, e-trike, it's a trike. Mm -hmm. And where we live here in Colorado, it's by the Colorado National Monument, which 
from our house, if you ride it, it's about a 26 mile loop and it's up in the high desert and it's unbelievable. So we put a, a team together and we rode that in May. So we do a lot of biking. It gets her out of her <laughs> wheelchair. <laughs> and what? You? I, I, you and Ellie? Bill, her and Ellie were out on a bike ride one time and I had asked that they not go into a lake to walk down to the lake because it was steep and what did they do? They walked down to the little lake, slipped and fell and had to wait for some guy to come and pick them up and get them back in the bike. <laughs> Cody, who is, who were you with? Were you with a friend? Allie, her physical therapist that took care of Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, that's so, tell me more about um, the VR too, because you know, I saw you put your VR headset on in the, uh, in the TED Talk, and I was like, oh, I love that kind of stuff. What, what do you do with VR? What's your favorite games? What do you like to play? <laughs> <laughs> so this brings up a good point about AAC as well, is that she's being hesitant to use her AAC to tell you because it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of this stuff we, we preloaded, which I think is a good thing to do in some situations. Totally. She likes to play one game. It's called the convenience store or a restaurant where she can pretend like she's cooking and she has to grab things and put them in places and that overcooked. Uh, is it overcooked? No, maybe no, no, we have that. We do have that, not on the VR, but yeah, we haven't, there's all sorts of things that you can do. I'd really need to learn more about it myself, but it's oh, cool. I know what you're talking about, the VR game. Yeah, um, it's called- A Job simulator. Job simulator, yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I I've done that one too, fun. actually. Yeah. <laughs> I played that one. <laughs> cool, cool. All right, so now back to AAC. And Cody, you should know that we talk to people who use communication devices all the time. So we don't mind waiting at all if, for you to take as much time as you need. Uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. And that's what we want to show people in these, um, in these podcasts is that sometimes it takes some time and that's okay. So back to AAC. What mm -hmm. are some things you wish every parent knew about AAC? Any thoughts? I was thinking about this earlier. One of the things I'm guilty of is trying to anticipate what the rest of her sentence is going to be and complete it for her. I would say that is a bad habit that as parents, we need to let them finish their sentences. Even if it means you have to take a deep breath and walk away and say, I'm still listening, you know, just because it, it does get difficult. Mm -hmm. So I would say, Parents, you have to be patient. Let them finish. It's hard to let your, your kiddos struggle, but it's gonna, but it'll be okay. And they learn at their own pace. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. And I, you just gave a very specific strategy there, which is even maybe walk away or turn away for a second. I know we've talked about strategies of maybe like tapping your foot or counting in your head or doing something to provide that wait time so that you're not compelled to jump in and then and then take away a moment where someone could learn to express themselves. So I think that's excellent advice. And also when you're throwing words at them, it's just creating more anxiety when you're trying to guess what that word is. And 
it's not because yeah, but it's because you're wanting to help them. That's that's all. But it can be yeah, just create more anxiety. Mm -hmm. What? Can Cody? Can their phone numbers? Mm -hmm. Oh, she says, "Can I have your phone numbers?" <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna text us, Cody? I would love that. <laughs> what do you say you are? She says she's the texting queen. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, Cody. So one thing that I noticed from the TED talk that I watched was that you like to use Marco Polo. And Chris and I use Marco Polo to talk to each other. And I love Marco Polo. It's probably my favorite thing to stay in touch with my friends. So we could totally Marco Polo. That is a huge app that helps her be independent as well because then she can see her friends but she then she can type in or use her talker and i don't have to be there she can mm -hmm. be totally independent having a conversation cody do you use when you're typing do you use it's called word prediction as you start typing the words come out for you so you don't have to type in all the letters eh. Yeah, that's when you press it, like it, like it starts to say the word, and then you press on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. You know, and I think um, that's something else that came up in the um, TED Talk, is you, uh, Jen, Jennifer, you were saying how we, it's not just technology for students with disabilities or for people with disabilities, but you, Marco Polo is not that, right? It wasn't right. designed for people with disabilities, but it has the, the capability to be used by everybody. And that's sort of what we're get, what you're getting at. Definitely, it, trying to find things that are disability specific is pretty much impossible or it's gonna cost you a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. So True. using technologies that we already have is gonna benefit from everybody, especially tech in school, I think is so, so very important. I think the disability community itself is is huge you know 1.3 billion people in the world and we can't do something specifically for every single person but where we need to start is in the school we have to be bringing more technology in even if it costs money so that everybody has access to the same tools her, her here in our district we've done fairly well with having her technology at school. We've had a few bumps in the road, like trying to get her iPad to go up onto a screen so people can see, the classmates can see her presentation. Mm -hmm. Seems simple, not so much. Yeah. You need Apple TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that it, it, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Our, we have a friend, her name is Alice Bruhard, who you might know. She, she actually worked with Apple years ago to create a calendar app for her daughter who has a brain injury. And they had had it in the original Apple suite and then took it off. Well, she went back to them and said, hey, my daughter uses this to live independently. And it's a 90 cent, 95 cent app that she uses on her iPod to remind her, hey, it's time to walk the dog. It's time to do this. So. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, these types of tools. Oh, I'm sorry, Cody, were you trying to tell us something? Oh, she wants me to get her gloves. She likes to wear gloves on when she's typing and stuff, but I told her we'd get them in a bit. <laughs> and we saw that in the, in the TED Talk, those pink gloves, right? <laughs> really cool. Um, we were talking a little bit about um, technology in schools. How has the last six months been as far as virtual learning? Uh, what has that looked like for you guys? What's your opinion? 
No, you don't have a baby. <laughs> has it been has it been hard, Cody? Yeah. So our school went online last March. And everybody, I think, tried really hard to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Last fall, they were actually putting stuff on their school program, and then we could just access it, not necessarily at our leisure, but when we wanted to, but there weren't any live classroom discussions. Mm -hmm. That had, its, had a lot of benefits to it. Hey, stop. <laughs> What's going on over there? You trying oh. to do tricky stuff? Yeah, she's trying to do the chat box here. Let me just move it out. Of the way. Trying to chat to us? She, yeah. She's a chatter. Oh she God. likes to chat. Um, so right now what we're doing is a sort of hybrid because mm -hmm. I wanted her to be in the classroom with her friends because they're mm -hmm. back in school. Mm -hmm. Because she is considered high risk, we're keeping her at home. Mm -hmm. So her para is at school mm -hmm. and goes to the classroom with Google Meets. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And then she can listen to the teachers. The kids come and wave at her. So she has a little bit of that interaction. And then in the afternoons, her special ed teacher does math and reading just with her. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty fortunate that we have that set up. However, that means five to seven hours a day on the computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I am not exactly sure what's going to happen as we move forward. Can we we may send her back for just the special ed classes because she would be the only one in the class. Um, I don't know. It's been a learning experience. And I've learned a lot about school and about things that I would like to maybe see done differently. Yes, that is like very common. I work with a lot of parents and they're like, this is what's been happening? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that it's, it's eye-opening for everyone to kind of see, for parents to see exactly what's going on. Uh, I see a chat. Yeah. I see something popping off in the chat. Cody's giving us her phone number. She wants to text. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll set up a, how about we set up a group chat? Oh, that's that's a idea. great idea. Sound good? Mm -hmm. One of the goals, oh, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. You go ahead. One of the goals and dreams we've always had is to road school. Just mm. to take our tech and head out and just go. And so that's come up again. This might be a good time. It might be not a good time. I don't know. But we're, we have that in the back of our mind as well that, you know, instead of learning about Mount Rushmore, let's go look at it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I mean, really, if you're doing distance learning anyway, you can right. learn from anywhere, right? What's geography? You can do that. Yeah. yeah, and I think we could be safe. We could create a safe situation. We wouldn't be going and hanging out at any concerts or anything, but. Yeah. So, Jen, there was something you hinted at that you mentioned just kind of off the cuff, but I want to dig deeper into it. You said from March until, what, June, um, that we, we were doing this sort of asynchronous instruction. There was no live Google Meets, uh, at least for the most part. It was mostly, and you said there was some certain benefits to that. And I'm just curious, what, what did you mean by that? What, what did you see that was really kind of working well in that case? It allowed us to get other things done in life that are important. Mm -hmm. For Cody, that means some physical therapy. That means right now a nap in the mornings because she's having some sleep issues. Mm -hmm. We're actually going to Denver next week for an MRI and a sleep study. So 
she's missing a lot of school right now because she has to have her nap in the mornings. Mm -hmm. It just gave us a little bit more freedom, which I think in a traditional homeschool situation is part of, you know, the draw of that, that you can be able to go outside and play. You can go get on your bike. You can, you know, do an art project, whatever it is. So I personally liked that. And the teachers would do a kind of a recording that we could watch back, but it wasn't an hour long um, lecture. And it also made me realize that there's maybe there could be some condensing of learning in schools. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you're not the first person that I've heard say that. And it's one of those questions that I ask every educator that I do throughout this whole thing is I've said, you know, do you know any kids that this actually worked better for? You know, the, the sort of asynchronous, you play some activities, you can touch base with the teachers if you need to, but they're more guides to the program that they set up. And, and to, to every single teacher I've talked to, and I've talked to a lot of teachers, they're like, yeah, actually, there were some kids that did better this way. So, um, so it, to me, it makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Th- what you're saying is that there's more flexibility built in. You can jump over and you can, you know, if, if, if it makes more sense to you to start school at 10 o'clock for whatever your reasons are, then you can, you know, you don't have to be beholden and feel like you're missing out on something because you had to be there at eight in the morning, you know? And so I kind of like that flexibility that it provides. Right. And I actually listened to your podcast uh, about, and you, you were referring to a teacher who was from Switzerland and she was saying, you Americans are doing it all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are not engaged. And I, I took notes on all of that. <laughs> and it, it really is true that there maybe have been a time where it was okay to sit at a desk for eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that st- time still exists. And especially with an AAC user or the different lifestyles that families are living now that, that's something to continue the conversation. Yeah. Now you said there's some things you'd change. Oh, sorry, Cody. Go ahead. She texted you. Yes, I'm actually I'm texting you back. She right texted. Well, hey, <laughs> what about me? No, no, no. You, wait, did you, no, she in the chat. Oh, in the chat. <laughs> I thought the, the text was live. <laughs> I was so nervous. You left me out. Okay, we're gonna do a group chat after this. All right. Set it up. But you mentioned there's some things. I'm just curious. What's on your list as you're brainstorming? Like, hmm, how would we do this differently? Things I don't like, or maybe I would do differently. What are What are some things you would you know recommend for people to to consider to do differently? As far as education right now? Yeah, totally. Well, I have to give you a little disclaimer that I grew up in a family of educators and principals. So I'm kind of the rogue (laughs) in thinking that things can be done a little bit different, but I've always been a fan of experiential education. And that means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. Your example that you talked about of creating a garden and using that to, for math, for economics, for, Mm -hmm. uh, just empathy, I think was a great example. How we put something like that into a public system, I'm not really sure, but I think the use of technology can sort of accelerate that and and give people more ability than just worksheets or whatever it is that they're mm-hmm. using in the classroom. I think we live in a rather small community. We, we have, what, four high schools, I hear, I think. You know, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're five hours from Denver and six hours from Salt Lake City. So I, 
I think this is just my opinion that there's some hesitancy to embrace the technology mm -hmm. because it is so different. But just looking yesterday, I looked up your the Equatio, yeah, and a couple different apps. You can use those to to motivate kids and the Brain Pop. I know in elementary school they use that a lot. I don't know what the equivalent to junior high and high school would be. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to add. You know what's another really great one, Jen, is Google Earth. They have, it's not just the map, they have tons of different activities. I presented um, at AAC in the cloud with Lauren Enders and I presented on Google Earth and all the different ways that you can use that. There's so much that Google Earth has to offer. Um, so you're talking about like an area and then it like you zoom in and like you see pictures from that area. There's 360 video. There's lots of really cool things. There's I games didn't know that. We'll like Carmen San Diego. Yeah, I'll have to, I can send you, I'll send you some links after, after this recording to, to ones that I think would be really good. Um, Cody. What, she, what she does, she has this amazing memory. So what she uses Google Earth for is that she'll try to find out where people live. And she'll <laughs> retrace like the bus route or whatever and figure out where they live. And then she also can figure out, I don't know how she does this, but she'll get on the county website and find out their address and stuff. <laughs> we got a little hacker on our hands. Really? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cody, tell us something. You said you really like the dance party. What else, what about school do you really like? What's something fun that you do in school? <laughs> giggle, giggle. What is it? <laughs> Just typing. <laughs> she says naps. Naps, naps in the chat. The chat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like naps too, Cody. <laughs> my favorite time of day. If I get the chance to take a nap, it's my favorite part of the day. <laughs> it's a little easier during this time with, the, with everyone being home. <laughs> nap time. She is actually on what her school is called the flight crew. And that's kind of the ambassadors of the school. And so she has meetings um, every Tuesday after school and they get her on Zoom and they talk about like this week is spirit week. So they plan that. I think that's been fun for her. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have oh, a favorite? I know. I know too. I know if you, something I talk about a lot on the podcast, probably too much, is a coding. I saw that you did lines of code. Look at your face. <laughs> tell us about the coding. Do you work in Scratch? What? Where do you do coding? What? Tell us about it. What's something you've made? Bitsbox. Bitsbox. What's that? They're a coding company that's out of Boulder, and we have a subscription to that. So once a month, we get. So let me see if I can grab them here and just show you. They get. They send out. Um, like little formulas and codes that she can go into their app and then she downloads the different codes that she used. So I think it's probably Scratch, probably actually what it is, but this is the main company that we use and they're like, this one is about bugs. So you yeah. learn to make bugs move. Love. But what was really amazing is she was making her avatar and she realized there wasn't an avatar in a wheelchair. So she emailed the company and well, we both did. Yeah. We, and they 
made her her own stamp is what they call it. We sent a picture in and it's her of her dog in her wheelchair and her big hair. and her. So that's her stamp. And then they added four or five other stamps that everybody could access. That's awesome. See, you just made change happen and you made a better place for the, for everybody else. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Oh, I see we got our gloves. Yes. <laughs> Great. Found the phone. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm, I'm going to be sending a group message soon. So get your phone ready. <laughs> Cody, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's so cool. You have a YouTube channel, right? Yeah. Co what is it? Cody's life. We're going to try to get as many people to subscribe to your YouTube channel as we possibly can. So we're on a mission to get you a lot of subscribers. Okay. Wait a second. What kind of videos do you put on your YouTube channel? There's lots of things actually on there. And speaking of her being a thrill seeker, there's a new one that we just posted about something we did a few weeks ago that I did not like and she loved. <laughs> What was that? I'm so intrigued. Lake swimming? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? You'll just have to look and see. Uh, yeah, I like Ooh, that. I like it. Tease our audience. <laughs> Everybody go subscribe to Cody's Life. It's and it's awesome. C-O-D-I apostrophe S. We will link to that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> Thank well, you. I'm really, I'm really interested. Why did you decide to start a YouTube channel, Cody? You don't know. She's a teenager. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why do teenagers want to do anything on social media? They just do. <laughs> she started making videos. She started using iMovies probably about four years ago. And she was just doing stuff around the house and we kind of learned how to edit. And she took some classes, some YouTube classes and some out school classes, learning about that. And then our Two years ago, she took a week-long class at our local community college called You Want to Be a YouTuber or something like that. And that was really exciting. So some of the videos are on there are from that. But she's learned how to put in the music. She can learn that it's a lot easier to edit on her iPad than it is on the computer just for, tech, just for her own dexterity. But also, it's not as complicated. I don't know what the difference is myself, but... So the YouTube videos are a lot of fun and we have more to add. It's just a matter of getting them edited. <laughs> I know how long that takes. So I have a YouTube channel, Cody, and you could probably teach me how to use YouTube because I don't really know how to do anything on there except just upload a video. <laughs> and I know how long it takes to edit. So that is awesome that you're doing that because I find when you put those videos out, you really help a lot of people, you know, you teach people how to do stuff, you know, I think it's great. It's so great. Yeah. Hey, oh, go ahead. It's kind of interesting because I tend to be the opposite of a lot of parents is that I allow her pretty much full access with social media with, mm -hmm. as I said in the TED talk, with some controls. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for her to, to, to be out there. Like you said, teaching other kids that she's, you know, is on TikTok five hours a day, just like everybody else. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I do monitor what she does, but I'm not going to restrict her either. <laughs> More dancing. Oh, oh, she's More dancing. dancing. Oh, I, I want to get a, I want to be a part of this. <laughs> um, you know, Jen, I, I have to say that's a very similar to my parenting style and my wife's parenting style as well, is that we have always had the uh, idea that um, 
there'll be some controls. We have conversations about that, but restriction is not the way to go. We lead with education and we lead with what's the appropriate use because trying to deny kids just makes them one, want to do it more. And right. two, this way we get to learn about it. And we talk about it. And we have open conversations about it. So I, you know, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I'm with you. And that's that was for us, you know? Well, it's the way that things are going in the future. And I don't want her to be left behind. And I have to be able to keep up as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say, and the social piece too. I feel like it's so important to connect socially and that is how teenagers are connecting. They're connecting through TikTok and Instagram and texting and all of the things. And so it's really important that, you know, it's, 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 it's really important to think about that because again, it's that social piece, especially now um, that there's a lot of social isolation with kids being able to be in the same place as another, uh, as a friend. So it's really great to still be able to connect socially through technology. Cody, like you have a bunch of friends. What are some other things you do with your friends? You, you said texting, but can I, can I make some guesses here? Yeah. Do you play Minecraft with them? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, how about um, Among Us? Have you played Among Us? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's wonder. Check it out. It's um, it's a game where you're on a spaceship, and you are little spacemen, but one of them is an imposter who is trying <laughs> to wreck the ship, and you, the rest of the crewmates, have to try and figure out who's the imposter. So, so tell me what else? What else do you play? What else do you do with your friends? I'm gonna show them. This is kind of cool. Her and her friend Rhiannon pretty much every night at five o'clock get online together. And Rhiannon also is an AAC user. She has a wheelchair. She's a year older than Cody. So she's in ninth grade. They set up their iPad with Roblox or Adventure Academy or the new one is a horse game. I can never remember the name. So they'll have one iPad with their game. They have one iPad with their communication device. And then they have their phones on a tripod so they can FaceTime each other. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of technology. I'm into this setup though. Isn't it funny because we talk about the social isol- isolation, but not really, right? I mean, look how connected you are and how much fun you're having, you know? It's, you just can't be in the physically the same space, right. but you could totally be in this virtual space, which is awesome. However, though, her, they both have the same SLP privately, not at school. She kind of threw a little wrench in the game a couple weeks ago because usually myself and Rhiannon's mom will sit there and the Cody has a G-tube, so I'll be feeding her and Rhiannon and us moms will kind of talk back and forth. Well, her SLP, who is amazing and really good at technology, said, the mom's got to go. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you guys need to play on your own and use your communication devices so you can understand each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that. That's great. That is great. We, we, have, we have one final question. Cody, what does the future look like for you? What do you want to do, do after you get out of school? I want to build my hotel. <gasps> a hotel. hotel. Yes, we saw that from the TED Talk. <laughs> that was in your TED Talk. It was, how many rooms were, it, were in it? Um, what? Uh, yeah. 100? 
over 100. Over 100. That's a big hotel. We had a cool thing happen last week. We, because of Brett, who we mentioned in our TED Talk, he hooked us up with a group of students at Arizona State University who are designing a universal design hotel as a prototype. So we did a Zoom meeting with them and their chief um, ADA compliance officer. And it, that was really fun. So she's like, mom, are they gonna build my hotel? I hope so. I, I hope they build your built. hotel. We're going, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, we'll be the first people to, to buy a room. <laughs> That's awesome, Cody. We love it. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about yourself or anything at all that we've missed? Well, this is another fun thing that just came up this last week, too, is that we were asked to be on the Colorado Assistive Technology Coalition, which is through the Coleman Institute, and also the Colorado Tech Technology First Advisory Council. So we will start meeting with them. October 27th will be the first meetings, and so hopefully we can help move forward with disability legislation and technology legislation. So we're looking forward to that. Oh. Well, she might not be, but I am. Oh. <laughs> she says, don't go. Oh. <laughs> we're having so much fun, right? Yeah. I just think we have to go to math class here in about 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, fun. Marco Polo. Yeah, you guys set up on Marco Polo. Too. Listen, we will. Do we are going to text you. Don't you worry. I have your phone number, and then we can we can set you up on Marco Polo. Okay. Once you have our number, it's like the floodgates open. <laughs> oh. Let me ask. See, so you're in LA, and Chris, you're in Indiana. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Northern Obviously, Virginia. no time zones. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm actually on the East Coast right now. Um, so oh, Chris wow. and I are on the same time zone. But yes, typically I'm on Pacific time. Okay. For sure. Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on. Jen, you're doing amazing advocacy work too in all of the you know things that you're signing up for and the TED Talk and all of these things. And it's so important um, that we have families out there open to show showing what you know, a glimpse into their life and to their journey. And so we just really appreciate you coming on and sharing, you know, your experience. Um, it's so valuable to all of the listeners of this podcast who are so passionate and dedicated to helping students learn how to use communication devices to communicate. Um, so we're super excited to showcase your experience. And Cody, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. We're super excited to have met you and um, really just so grateful that you guys were able to come on. I'll add that it is, it, I'll echo everything that Rachel just said, and I'll add this one piece too, that it's, um, it's never expected that you do this, and it's always appreciated when you do, you know, sharing your lives like this, because so many people need it, so thank you. Well, we appreciate both of you and all the work that you do helping the AAC kids as they're growing up and adults as well. It's, it's so important, and I just follow her lead. Which is so important. That's such a great piece like of advice to parents is just like let let them be who they're gonna be and just kind of like help support as you go. Nice to meet uh, both of you. Thank you so much. Have fun in math class. Hope you do some coding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. It was so great chatting. I'm gonna send that text right now, okay, Cody? Eh. Eh. Okay. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.